excited to be here this morning as we come to the Lord and worship uh, as God's family. And I'd like to go ahead and call us to worship. So if we would rise, please rise for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read Psalm 66, verses 1 through 7. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever. Whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt, exalt themselves. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are, are so glad that you've come to worship this morning. I would just like to uh, draw your attention to the bulletin, as always, uh, maybe old hat uh, for some of us, but uh, it, there are some very important things in there. I want to point out again, VBS is coming up June 18th through the 22nd. Uh, there are volunteers needed. We had a good problem uh, this week, I would say, uh, where there's a lot of kids getting invited to, uh, to VBS. Uh, and so I think we're going to expect a very big turnout. So there's going to be people needed to, to help out with that. Sherry Lyons, uh, talk with her, speak with her, and see how you can plug in and be a part of that. Uh, so many different things go into the week of VBS. And, it's an all-hands-on-deck thing, so uh, we'd love to have you be a part of that and serve in that. But if you're a first-time guest, uh, we're so glad that you're here, or, or a second or third-time uh, guest, we're so glad you're here. And if you haven't before, please uh, take the tear-off tab in your bulletin and, and just fill that out and drop it in the offering plate when it goes by. We'd be glad to get in touch with you and let you uh, know how glad uh, we are that you came. And if you have any prayer requests, anything that we can do as a church and a staff to serve, you and build up the, the, the church, uh, we would love to do that. So uh, at this time, I'm going to hand it over to Steve as he leads us in worship. Good morning.
you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer this morning? Father, how grateful we are that we have a story that has been given unto us by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a joy and comfort and assurance it is to know that you walk with your children, you allow us to walk with you day by day, that you are working for our good and for your glory. And so we come to praise you and to thank you for who you are and the countless blessings that you pour out upon us day by day. Father, we thank you for this church family, for our guests that are here today, for those, our Father, that have special concerns, maybe of burdens in their hearts. And we pray, Father, that in a special way today that they may sense your comfort and your love and the love of this church family for those that have gathered this day. We pray for those that do not know you as Savior and Lord, that this would be the hour, Father, that they would come to know you in the free pardon of sin. We pray for our pastor as he shares your word with us this morning, our guests that will be sharing with us. And Father, we pray that as we depart this place today, that we'll do so rejoicing with a burden in our heart for those in this city and around the world that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Again this day, we give praise and thanks unto you in Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you, Brother Hurd. Today is a special day here at Broadway. Our church has a partnership with one of our Fayette County schools. It's called Mary Todd Elementary School, and we've been working with them for uh, several years. A lot of folks go over there and uh, certainly help them out. But we're very blessed to have the principal, Miss uh, Frida Asher. Frida, you want to come on up? as well as uh, the, the volunteer school coordinator who works with uh, many of us here, and that's Miss Beth, um, Beth Myers. And Beth, they're here this morning, and they're gonna share a little, we also have a video, so I don't know when they wanna show the video, but they're gonna share a little bit about uh, Mary Todd as well as our partnership, and then we have a video, and we have a gift for them. Thank you, thank you so much. Well, thank you all for inviting us today. We're, I love the sign on the marquee, and we appreciate all your thoughts and prayers, and. All the help that you've given us, Pastor Austin, uh, Ms. Hine, she coordinates with a lot of the members here to help support our students, so we just wanted to say thank you. Uh, we, we will show the video if you have it. Would you want to show it now? You can, uh, that way while we're talking. And then I will let Ms. Meyer, she'll talk with you more about the Family Resource Center at Mary Todd, and um, she'll share with you about some of the things that you do to help our students and our teachers there. <coughs> Welcome to Mary Todd Elementary. We would like to tell you about our great school and some of the wonderful initiatives that we have begun. Like our namesake, Mary Todd Elementary is steeped in history and poised for success. We received our name from a well-known lady, Mary Ann Todd, who was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky. She was the daughter of Lexington banker and businessman, Robert Smith Todd. She eventually went on to marry one of the most well-known presidents of our time, Abraham Lincoln. The school was built on what was previously known as the Joyland Amusement Park. The land the school was built on has always been welcoming for children to play and learn. 
The land invokes visions of children learning, laughing, and enjoying life. These visions continue as a reality for many children today who attend Mary Todd Elementary. The students at our school come from diverse ethnic and cultural backgrounds. We serve approximately 30% African American, 30% Caucasian, 30% Hispanic, and 10% students from other ethnicities. In addition, we proudly serve students from numerous countries. We are a Title I school with approximately 87% of our students receiving free and reduced lunch. Mary Todd is host to several after-school programs such as STLP Lego Robotics, Art Club, Battle of the Books, Girls on the Run, Gardening Club, Lincoln Ladies, an academic challenge. In addition, school-wide initiatives like Real Men Read, our on-site clinic, our Family Resource Center and the Backpack Club, our Positive Behavioral Interventions and Support Systems, our Multi-Tiered System of Supports, our Systematic Problem Solving Team, our Student Assistance Team, our Academic Leadership Team, our Student Progress Monitoring Team, our Professional Learning Communities, and our PTA. We are proud to have established the 5th grade Washington, D.C. trip and the one-to-one -one Chromebooks through the Forber Foundation grant. The staff at Mary Todd are here because it is a calling, not a job. It is evident in their attitudes and actions with the students. The staff gives their heart and soul to the work. The staff knows the work is hard and we have far to go. We celebrate our successes and move ahead to the next challenge. John Mayer sang a song called Waiting for the World to Change. The staff and students at Mary Todd aren't waiting for the world to change. We are the change. Facing poverty, um, being by um, 
attending and on career readings lunch. Three out of 10 are English language learners, meaning that English is probably not the primary language spoken at home. Um, many students there, uh, they're from single-headed households. Uh, we have a small but growing uh, population of refugees attending our school, because um, they've come to America to, to have a brighter future. And according to adverse child experiences study, statistically, the more adverse things that happen in a child's life, uh, the more likely they'll face challenges in adulthood. But research shows that one positive relationship can, can um, help with an adult, can help to buffer those challenges that children face. Uh, we have a list of opportunities that we'd like to share with you. We'll be in the back of um, the um, building uh, as you exit, and we'd love to share those with you, whether you like to volunteer directly or possibly give a financial donation. Um, there are lots of extra things that um, we're able to do when we have financial and um, volunteer partners. Um, and like I said, lastly, thanks for encouraging our staff So we want to get that. I will also, our, have our liaison person here at our church who uh, partners with uh, Mary, uh, Mary Todd, really organized, Miss Peggy Hines. Peggy, will you, uh, will you just stand up? So, so, also, if I want to recognize all the folks this past year who've helped out, volunteer. Even this past week on Thursday, I went to the Real Men Read program. I read some books to second graders on Thursday morning. So, if you helped out this past school year at Mary Todd, and that's any capacity from cutting out, from donating, any way you helped out Mary Todd, will you stand up? So any possible way you helped out Mary Todd, so you look around. All right, if you went to Joyland Amusement Park, who here went to Joyland Amusement Park? When did they close down? The 50s or 60s, so that is, so that, that's neat. Your, your school is built over an amusement park, so that is how exciting for that, so that. Thank you so much, Ms. Asher. Thank you so much, Ms. Myers. We appreciate it, and we hope to have uh, even more folks involved in our church next year with Mary Todd. So there, at the close of our service, so they're going to be out here at the Welcome Center, and you can uh, see Peggy or see either of them about ways you can serve.
promise after I've done this a couple of times, I'll get on my transitions, correct? Would you turn in your hymnal to 28, to God be, uh, to 502, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Would you stand as we sing?
Thank you, Gail. I'm glad she played that song for you, uh, for the church this morning, but how sometimes when you begin to think about what you need to sing about, uh, especially when you haven't been into a church for a while, and it's been a while since I've been here, you begin to think about the songs and the message and possibly what your pastor might be preaching on and how the music just correlates together. But that song, What a Wonderful Savior to Me, couldn't have been more fitting for the song that I'm going to sing. Uh, David asked me to just briefly, and it'll be briefly, explain where I'm at and what I'm doing and uh, since I've left Broadway. And uh, we're at sharing uh, our ministry with uh, Kevin Davison over at East Hickman Baptist. That's where we went when we left here. And uh, so uh, we're uh, doing good there. Kevin's doing a wonderful job, and the church is growing. And uh, her, her job is just go support him and help him in all that we can do. And uh, we pray for that church. And uh, just let you know, we're still a member here at Broadway, and we pray for this church as well. Uh, we, we're gone in body, but we haven't left you in spirit. We love Broadway. It's uh, more than half of our life, over 40-something years that we served here, and God has been so good. And, uh, but when we left, we began to think about what God wanted us to do in the singing ministry, and uh, the Lord helped us put a group together, uh, Southern Gospel, and uh, we begin to venture out uh, in the areas around Lexington. And uh, so I won't mention all the towns that uh, you know what the towns are surrounding Lexington. And so we begin to venture out this year uh, more than we did last year. We only got to do five bookings last year. But God's already blessed us, and we already have five engagements already. And things are coming uh, down the future. And uh, so God has just been good to us. And uh, I can't thank him and praise him enough for what he's done in my life. Uh, see, when you get left all alone and there's no helpmates and no kids to help, guess who's, who's, who do you depend on? I hope you know that answer this morning. It's our blessed Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's the one that I depend on every day. I go to bed praising him, and I wake up praising him because he gives me the breath that I breathe. And guess what? If you haven't felt God's touch this week from last Sunday to this Sunday, guess who moved? It wasn't God. I can tell you that. And sometimes we have a tendency, don't we, just stray away a little bit from Sunday to Sunday. But I know whom I believed in. Listen to a beautiful song. It's an old song. I love this song. It speaks for me this morning because I, when David asked me to sing a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't even talk. And so God has blessed me and uh, to get me back to power. And so I hope I'll do this song justice. And I'll let it touch your heart as, it, as the song ministers to me. I hope it ministers you. And uh, just remember to pray for us and our group. I'll tell you the name of it. It's called Embraced with Grace. And... Uh, uh, there's a long story behind that, but we won't get into that today. And also, David Dale is working on a date for us to come back with their group to sing on a Sunday night. So we're in the process of doing that. And uh, we would certainly like to see all of you here that night as well. Now listen to a beautiful song called, He Touched Me. 
Thank you, Donnie. Thank you so much. He is absolutely right. Jesus has touched us, and there shouldn't be a day should not go by throughout the week from Sunday to Sunday since we don't feel the presence and the touch of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open them to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read some scripture here. I want to thank the folks from Mary Todd Elementary. It's a blessing for churches and schools to have a partnership. While you turn there in your scriptures, I want to um, tell you a little bit about the history of public education in the United States. Um, many of you wonder, I wonder where public schools came from. I'm sure y'all are sitting at home thinking of that. 
the first public school started in Boston in 1635 from these people called the Puritans. The Puritans were the ones that came over on the Mayflower and came, they were what we know as English separatists. Back in, you know, we, we had this thing called the Reformation that occurred with Martin Luther and it was, it was reforming, um, it was a breakaway from the Catholic Church. And that's, a lot of it, went, it's, it's, uh, occurred there in Germany and it spread to France and went to England. This is in the um, 1500s. And then by the time you get to the 1600s, there's these folks called the Puritans. And still at that point, they were living under the reign there of the king of England. And even though they weren't Catholic, they still felt like the Reformation wasn't complete. Like, we're all we basically are is we're doing the same things the Roman Catholic Church is doing, except we're not in Rome, we're now under the King of England. So they felt we need total biblical freedom. We want the scriptures to guide us. So this is when this is how religious liberty, our nation, was founded upon. Preached on this back in November, how the pilgrims came over on the Mayflower and the first settlers here, there in, um, in Plymouth, right there in, in outside Boston. They started out as folks who wanted religious freedom. Well, in 1635, they started a school. And listen, this school still exists today. It's called Boston Latin School. It's part of the Boston city, Public City Schools. And it was begun for the very purpose to train children to learn Latin and the classical language and how to read and write. And the, their purpose is Puritans. Public education began here in the United States. Well, this is before the United States. In America, in the colonies there, and with the settlers, for the very purpose for training and teaching children how to read, to read their Bibles. In fact, well, as, you, as you research this school, and I was looking at it this week, the Boston Latin School, they had, this was in, in 1734, so a year later, 99 years later, the school was had been started the um, the way to be admitted to the school 1734 is you had to stand in front of the principal and read several verses from the bible and if you were good enough then they would admit you that you could read the scriptures and they would teach you how to more words how to read uh read the bible so we see you go back now obviously public schools are not like that at all we don't you know miss asher doesn't stand there at the door at mary todd and hold a bible says students can y'all read the bible to get admitted to the schools but we see public education was founded on the scriptures for the very purpose of with the puritans of learning to read the word of god so they could know what their bible said these that was they viewed this as is tr the importance of training children and teenagers and people growing up, they need to know how to read. That was a priority. And it's a priority for us today. And that's why we have school. public schools are a blessing. I'm a product, Sherry and I are both products of public schools. You go through public schools and you need to know <clears throat> the foundations and obviously how to read. Now, the reason why this is important is because back in Deuteronomy, back with the Jewish folks, with them growing up and training their children, they had something called the Shema. And we're about to read that. Every child was expected to learn to read and to memorize this. And parents were expected to teach the Bibles to their children. They needed to know the Word of God. 
Because I want you to know, if, if, if the next generation does not know the Scriptures, if they, do not know what, if they do not know the God of the Bible, the God revealed in the Scriptures, you will not have Christianity. It will die out. You will have generations that come up and are biblically ignorant. Christian education, biblical education, it is a must. It's not option. Listen, we have parents here today. Your responsibility as a mom and a dad, yes, they need to go to Mary Todd Elementary School and learn how to read and write and learn history, but they also need to, they're using, they need to take those tools they're learning in schools and they're learning it so you're teaching them how to read the Bible at home and so that they're hearing and they can follow along in the public reading of the Scripture. When Zach stands up here and reads the Bible, they know those words. They're following along. We as parents and as grandparents, you have an obligation and a responsibility to teach your children and any other younger generation about the Lord. And that, I'm not saying this, God says this. I want you to turn your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 3. We're going to read through verse 12. Once you follow along your Bibles here. Because what, where this ends up is, if you don't do this, then we see the consequences when people do not know their Bible. Verse 3, Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them, them, so that you may prosper and multiply greatly, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, Listen, Israel, this is the Shema here, and Jesus quoted this as the most important commandment. When someone in the Pharisees asked him, said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He quoted these words we're reading. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Don't miss that. The, okay, we just had the Shema. We just had the statement. We are to love God with all our heart. And the first thing Moses tells the people, after telling them the importance of these words, of the, the priority of loving the Lord, you need to repeat these to your children. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they need to know about the Lord. Parents, if you are not te teaching your children the commands in the Scripture, you're sinning. This is straight. Repeat this to your children, meaning there should be biblical Christian instruction at your home, in your church. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates, meaning wherever you go, you should be talking about the Lord. When you walk through your house, you should have Bible verses all throughout your house. You walk into your house, bless this home. There should be Scripture all over. There should be no mystery. If I were ever come visit your house thinking, Am I visiting a Hindu's house or am I visiting a Christian home? Because you have Scripture. You have God's Word all over the place. There shouldn't be a, a wondering among your children. 
are my parents saved? Do they love the Lord? No. Dad won't keep talking about it. Just as Donnie's saying here, he touched me every day. This is central who you are. If you are a born-again believer, this is your identity in Christ as a follower of the Lord. Look what he's saying. You bind them. You write them. It's, it's who you are knowing Christ. There should never be a mystery of whether or not someone knows the Lord. You will know what Moses is telling the Jewish folks here, saying you should be proud of your Jewish identity and be proud of God's commands. It's not something to be ashamed of. You should never Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. You should not be embarrassed to be a follower of Jesus. If you're mocked for it, hey, Jesus was crucified. You can identify with him. Keep going here. Verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into land, he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give to you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build. This is, you know, you're inheriting a land that you did not build. When you go to public schools, when you come into your church, not now, some of us might build our church. You're inheriting a church. You're inheriting schools that you did not build. I did not build this church. I did not contribute to the building fund that built this. I think this sanctuary was built, I think, in 1991, 92. Maybe. I think, or maybe it was 2000. Anyway, it was w around that time. We probably had a building fund. You had a pastor who's urging folks to give to the building fund, and there were probably hundreds of thousands of dollars that were given to folks to build this sanctuary, to build this building. And do you know what? That was, what, 20-something years ago. Many of those people have gone to be with the Lord. They're in the presence, and they're at the home in heaven right now. But you know, they would have never known. They would probably not thinking when they're given $100, $500, when they're contributing to their church, here we are 25 years later, still preaching and teaching the gospel. That's what it means, Christian legacy. You're giving to a future. So when, when God says, you know what, I'm going to give you cities, I'm going to give you a land that you didn't build. You didn't even contribute to these cities. I did it. We are standing in a, we're standing and sitting in a sanctuary that many of us here did not build, that likely we did not contribute to, but we are receiving the blessing of that. That's what it's like when you invest in your children, in your grandchildren. You might not see the fruit right then, and it hurts. It's painful, you know. Writing that $500 check to the building fund, you're thinking, you know, what am I going to see of this? And you might not see anything of it, but you're contributing something to a next generation. And that's what the Lord's telling the folks here in Deuteronomy. I'm giving you something that you didn't even build. You weren't even part of it. Look what it says here. <clears throat> Verse 11. Houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with. Cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat, you are satisfied. God is giving the people a land. Giving the people things that they did not contribute to. Every single one of us here lives a life like that. 
There was someone who came before us who invested. The children that go to Mary Todd Elementary School, someone built that school. School system had a board meeting to approve the money to build the school. Someone invested. Someone paid taxes so you could learn. Someone gave to a church building fund so you could be in the sanctuary. That's the picture God is painting. Someone before you invested so you could receive the blessing. That's why when you invest children, when you give and you pour your life into teaching, you're thinking, why am I sitting here teaching seven-year-olds? I just can't get them to sit in a chair. You, have no, you realize what you're doing? You're planting gospel seeds into their life. They're hearing Bible stories. They're hearing the scriptures so that they will grow up and they will know, I remember learning about Jesus at church. I remember that Bible verse. In my Sunday school class today, I teach children. We learned about Ruth and Naomi. I hope they listen, but I tell them their, le- I tell them their lesson. And there's, I just think these are gospel seeds and God will take it into their heart. They're learning the Bible. Someone's, and over the years, folks have poured into us. Now, this is why we do this, because look at verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 12, last verse we're going to read here. Be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. What happens here is God told us in verse 12 the consequence. If you do not invest in others you do not invest in the next generation, and you are not teaching these to children and to teenagers and realizing, you know, I didn't build this sanctuary. If you are not intentional about moving forward, you will then soon have a generation that comes up, and what will they do in verse 12? They will forget the Lord. We could be living in a time here in 2018 where there is a generation that does not know the Lord. They have forgotten about God. How did they forget about God? They didn't forget about Him. They were never taught about the Lord. They don't know the Bible stories. This, story, this is called the Shema. And what the, where that phrase comes is uh, the very beginning here, listen Israel, that's that phrase, listen O Israel, hear O Israel, that's the phrase that means Shema. That, this forms the Jewish people were expected to pray this prayer in their daily prayers. This would have been like the Lord's Prayer for the Old Testament. That's what this was. So Jewish folks are learned about this, and they're seeing the importance of their lineage, that they memorize, they are taught the Scriptures about the Lord. The most important thing, children, is to love the Lord, and you pass that on down, your lineage. Yesterday, um, Sherry and I, we found a city called Bards, Bardstown. Bardstown, we discovered it's down the Bluegrass Parkway. You drive down there, about an hour, you get off somewhere on exit 22, and you or 25, one of those exits. You get off, and you go, you go there, and there's a place called My Old Kentucky Home. And it's a state park now, and you can go there. And a man, it's called Federal Hill is the name of the house. And um, a man named John Rowan and his family uh, had this house, and it was built in 1818. And we learned all about it, and the state song is named as, uh, they renamed Federal Hill to my old Kentucky home, and I'm sure many of you have toured it there. 
it's definitely worth a tour. And you go there, and you, we go, and the folks were, the tour guides were dressed up in their costumes, and you go room to room, and they tell you, these are massive rooms, the house, uh, huge tall ceilings, and you're learning there about uh, the rich history of Kentucky and about uh, really life 200 years ago. And it was a lot different than today. True, true. it's like you've stepped into another world uh, when you learn about how it was. But what was not stepping into another world is John Rowan there, who he was a judge, and he was a, a U.S. Or, or a senator here from our state. He had some horses, and they were very proud of their horses there in Bardstown. He loved thoroughbred racing, Judge Rowan, and they were talking about uh, their horses. In fact, they had it all over the house when, when you went there. Three of their horses that were well-known, I, I guess he came to Keeneland back then and bought his three horses, uh, Ma Magneta, Slipper, and Rifle. They loved these horses. These were fast horses, and they had great bloodlines, especially Rifle, Judge John Rowan's horses. And I guess they raced them there in Bardstown. And um, what was neat about it is after the tour was over, uh, this, was on, this is about 1 o'clock in the afternoon when our tour is finally over. It actually had slave quarters in the back of the house, so you can go back there and tour them. And our tour guide, these people are dressed up in, I guess, 19th century, like it's 1820, they're dressed up. And the guy who gave us a tour, he kind of took a break, and he went back in the uh, slave quarters behind the, uh, behind the house there. And he's carrying a MacBook. <laughs> he runs back there, and he flips it open because he, he told us on his tour, he says, well, when the house was built, it didn't have electricity because electricity didn't exist, and now they have Wi-Fi. It's almost comical. You're at Federal Hill, this house, 200-year-old house, the house has Wi-Fi there. And he said the reason why is for the security system. But um, he runs back there, and there's a little, I guess a little, it's an employee break room in the back of the house, and he pulls out his MacBook, and he's, and I say, oh, you got brought the MacBook here? Because, I mean, it's a blast. It's, we're a blast from the past, except the MacBook. And this is a man that's looking like he just walked out of the Civil War, the way he's dressed, with a beard and everything, the hat and the whole clothes. And uh, so I, I cracked a joke about, yeah, I see, I see you got the MacBook here at the 200-year-old the house. And he says, oh, I'm here because I'm tracing the lineages, the lineage of the horses in the Kentucky Derby to this evening's race. It's one o'clock he's telling me about this. This man had mapped out the bloodline of every, all 20 of the horses that raced yesterday, and he was showing me how they traced back. You can trace the bloodline to this man, John Rowan's horses here, Magneta, Slipper, and Rifle. How they were there at Bartine. You can see, the, I guess, their breeding patterns of how even the horses that race in thoroughbred racing, that racing yesterday at Louisville, all had a lineage that ran through... Bardstown and these three little horses there at my old Kentucky home. But then when he was then told me that all horses came from uh, one in Virginia named um, Sir Ar Archie. I think that's his name. Uh, the most famous of all of American horses there that um, they all trace through. Now I share all this because this man had an Excel spreadsheet showing me the lineage of all these all these horses <clears throat> in thoroughbred racing. That's important, obviously, breeding patterns. Now, think about our spiritual life in that context. You should have had, you're probably here because your mom and dad taught you about the Lord. Who had grandparents 
who instructed them about the Lord. Then you had their parents, your great-great-great-grandparents who instructed them. Your parents were instructed the Lord that taught you about the Lord. Do you know the truth is, statistically, most people who get saved, get saved really by, by the time 18. Like I've seen a statistic, 85, 90% of the folks who give their lives to Christ do so really by the time they're about 18 years old. That means, I mean, I think about my life. I gave my life to Christ and got saved when I was 15 years old. Sherry was 14. We were teenagers. I'm just curious. Who here, if you were saved from by the time you were 18 years old, including the year 18, will you raise your hand? Now look at that. That's some, probably a majority of folks. Most folks who are going to get saved and give their life to Jesus do so when they're a child or a teenager. And, and then you say, okay, well, think about it. If you were a child or a teenager, do you know what that meant? That meant most likely you had a mom or dad who was either bringing you to church or you, they were at home teaching you about Jesus. Someone older than you. Because, I mean, most 15, 14-year-olds don't just wake up on their own thinking, I'm going to drive to church. Well, they can't even drive. Someone has to invest in them so that they're instrumental in leading them to the Lord. Just like in thoroughbred horses, they're following that bloodline. I want to tell you, parents, the most important thing, your lineage, you have to invest in your children, in your grandchildren about Jesus. You follow that lineage. That is a Christian parent. That's godly grandparents. You're teaching your children so they can, when they grow up, they can read about and know the Lord themselves. I'm going to turn over here in John chapter 14, verse 25 and 26. I want to read the scripture here because not only do we serve as teachers to our children and our grandchildren, the Holy Spirit also teaches them. One of the great things about the Lord is the Holy Spirit is also our teacher. Look at this, John chapter 14, verse 25. Jesus says here, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. Now look at this, follow this church. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So Jesus is saying soon there's a Holy Spirit, a Counselor who's going to come. He's coming in my name. That's how you know He's going to come. He comes in Jesus' name. Will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit is part of God. He is God. You know, God is revealed. We have one God. We just saw that in the Shema. And He's revealed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we don't understand what the Holy Spirit does. But the Holy Spirit, God works in the Holy Spirit with the purpose of teaching us and reminding us about what? Reminds us about everything Jesus said. I want you to know, even if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, even if you haven't had long, a lot of biblical instruction and know the Bible stories, if you didn't grow up going to Sunday school, the great blessing of the Lord is we have a Holy Spirit who will teach us today. He will teach you. If you, need, if you do not know the Bible stories, if you do not know the Lord, if you, haven't, if you haven't been immersed in Scripture, 
Let the Holy Spirit says, God, teach me. Teach me what your word says. I want to give us five things here. Up on, I'm going to put them up on the board. Five things of biblical education. These are things, if you're here today, you need takeaways. Say, Daniel, okay, I need to be teaching my children, my grandchildren about the Lord. What does this mean? How do, what is this a context today? Because obviously Miss Asher is not going to be standing there at Mary Todd quizzing people about the Bible when you walk in. But what we can do is we as biblical Christian parents and grandparents, these are practical principles you can apply today that work. Number one, parents, you must bring your children to Sunday school and worship. You know, before church, you know, our church service starts at 1045. We have Sunday school at this church. It's at 930. We have classes from birth, from the moment you're born, to all the way to glory. No matter, I mean, literally, we have age categories for any age here. You never stop learning the scriptures. But I want you to know, parents, if you do not bring your children to Sunday school, you are robbing them of Bible stories. You're robbing them of the stories. Even in my little toddler class, I teach. I'm down there teaching little two- and three-year-olds about Ruth and Naomi. That was our lesson today. And how they followed the Lord. They went to a new land, and God took care of them. And they're looking at the pictures, and we point at Ruth. That's every Sunday, every time you missed, miss that your children are missing opportunities to learn about the Lord. Because here's what's going to happen. And this is a fact. Your children are going to grow up. Your grandkids are going to grow up. You, my kids are going to grow up. And they're going to get to be about 19 years old. And I want you, I know, I want you to know a secret when, for 19 and 20-year-olds. I might be cool to you, but preachers are not cool to 19 and 20-year-olds. They aren't. They just aren't. I don't care what you say. Now, Zach Bauer is cool, but I'm not cool. When they're 19 and 20 years old, and they're making their... I guess they're out there discovering and doing their own thing. If they, they're not going to listen. They always listen to their mom and dad and grandparents. They want your money, but they don't want you to listen. <clears throat> if they do not have biblical stories and gospel truth in their life, you've missed that window all growing up. Listen, parents, you have a unique situation. When your children are teenagers and they're living under your house and their children... You need to be teaching them the scriptures, bringing them to Sunday school, bringing them to Awana and Team Kid and VBS and worship service and, and children's church right now going on. Every opportunity on Wednesday night to children's choir singing these songs. They'll be singing next Sunday because they will hit that age where they don't want to hear it anymore. But if God has planted those seeds in their heart, I promise they come back. God brings people back. The parable of the prodigal son. They come back home when they realize, you know what, maybe Papa's house wasn't that bad. Maybe Mama knew what she was talking about. Parents, we must. We have an obligation. We are to bring our children and teach our children about the Lord. The Bible commands us to do this. Deuteronomy 6-7 tells us to instruct our children. Number two, look what it says up here. Number two that we learn about. Parents... You must teach that your children they're sinners. The way children get saved is they have to realize they're lost. 
They have to realize they have a greater authority than themselves. That authority is the Lord. And God says they're sinners and separated. Remember, the only way to get saved, we talked about a few months ago, for the first step of getting saved is realizing you need a Savior, realizing you are lost and you are separated from God. So we teach children, says, hey, you, you've done wrong, especially, especially teenagers. They get the age where they are ready to respond to Jesus. I was saved when I was 15 because I realized I was lost. Even though I grew up in church, I realized I did not have a relationship with the Lord. Number three, parents must flee from moralism and manipulation. This is important because this is what? This is really the why. Why should children tell the truth? Children lie to you. They will. Teenagers lie to you. But I want you to know why. Children need to be taught the reason they should be told telling the truth is not because just mommy and daddy said so. That's important. But the ninth commandment and the tenth commandment says, Thou shalt not bear false testimony. Lying is a sin. It's dishonest to lie. It does not please God when we lie. We sin when we do not tell the truth. So you teach this to your children. It says, Children, the reason you should be speaking truthful words is because God expects it. The Lord has told us that we tell the truth. We should not be folks who lie. So we don't just do it manipulating to get candy or moralism just to be a good person. No, we're not here to just be a good person. It's all rooted in something. It's rooted in the Bible. That's, a, that's an important principle we as parents and grandparents, we teach our children. Number four, church education, like here at Broadway Baptist Church, should reinforce what parents are teaching at home, meaning moms and dads, you should already be teaching your children the scriptures, having a devotion guide, so when they come here, we're just reinforcing what you're doing. If you are, if you are a parent, and you're doing the exact opposite of what we teach here at the church and what the Bible says, then Children are going to think, wait a minute, I go to Broadway and I'm learning this, then I go home and I'm learning something completely different. And children will recognize hypocrisy. That's what Jesus called out. It's just like if you go to Mary Todd, Miss Asher, they're teaching one thing and then they go home and they're learning something, they're seeing, wait a minute. What Miss Asher's saying is completely different than what I'm ta being taught here in my, my, my school. It doesn't line up. Children will pick up on this. Teenagers will say, well, gosh, my parents are fake. You know, something's not right. Church education, this is reinforcement of what moms and dads are already teaching. Number five, last thing here. The church equips parents and grandparents to educate their children. You come to church here. You come to worship in Sunday school. You are learning the scriptures, moms, dads, grandparents, so then you can take this as a disciple and teach it to others. That's what you do. You are equipped when you learn the Bible, so therefore, that's what, this is what disciple-making is, so you can teach it to others. The challenge we have today, you need to see, as, as believers, you need to see that this is your responsibility. We have a church. We're in a sanctuary that we did not build, that many of us did not go to, and you're receiving the blessing of it. When you invest in others, when you invest in your, the generations behind you, you're teaching, a gener you're teaching the next folks that they did not, they did not build. They, not, 
they were, they're inheriting a, a heritage that's coming through the lineage, just like in thoroughbred racing. Now, this morning, we're about to have our invitation for you to respond. And there's our response today. Some of you, some of you are not teaching your children and your grandchildren the Bible. You're letting them choose. Every Sunday is, they do not go to church. They are not in God's house. That is a missed Sunday. You will not get back. Every time you skip Sunday school, that's a missed class. Your commitment as a parent or grandparents, you need to commit. And God, we're going to take your word serious, and we're going to start teaching our children the scriptures. We're going to bring our kids to youth group and to children's ministry. We're going to invest. Because if I believe this is true, do you believe this Bible is true? Jesus tells us that we must do this. It's the most important commandment. To train up a next generation. It should be all over your house, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. And the second commitment here, some of you, if you, you need to make that commitment that you're going to train up, you're going to be intentional in teaching you the next generation. The second commitment is some of you that did not receive a Christian upbringing, a biblical education, some of you need to get saved. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 years old. I realized I was lost. Now, a lot of folks do do it when they're young. But there are some of you here today, you are well beyond 18 years old, and Jesus is calling you home. You didn't have the blessing of having Christian parents and have the blessing of growing up in a church. But the great thing is, as John chapter 14, verse 26 tells us, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And you need to make a commitment this morning saying, God, I need the Holy Spirit as my teacher. I need to begin growing in the Lord. And your first step is saying, Lord, I need to trust you as my Savior. I need to get right with God this morning. And then from this day on, Jesus Christ himself, the Holy Spirit, will be your teacher. So you need to either be teaching children or you need to allow the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. That's the biblical command for education. God can teach us as adults. We as parents and grandparents, we teach our children. Lord, I pray today. I pray for our invitation. Some of us here need to do business with you. Lord, we need you as our Holy Spirit teacher. We need to make a commitment and a, and a promise <coughs> that, Lord, we will trust you to open our mind and teach us that we need to be saved and we need a great Savior. Lord, we have been robbing. We've been running just like Jonah. We've been running from you. And we need you now to teach us this truth. Just as the Puritans were intentional in 1635 with the very first public school here in our nation, we also need to be intentional in teaching our children. Lord, we pray as Christian parents and grandparents that we will raise our children here at this church. That we have entered a church that many of us did not build, that we not, did not give to. But Lord, it's a blessing that we're here. And we want to take every opportunity. God, I pray if there's anybody here that needs to respond and make this their church home and say, this is our church home, we're going to raise our family. Or you need to walk this aisle and say, God, Daniel... I'm ready for the Holy Spirit to become my teacher. And the first thing he's going to teach you is teach you how to be saved. I pray during our public invitation, we will respond to the gospel. 
Lord, I give you this time. Lord, we thank you for Mary Todd Elementary School. We thank you for the blessings of the partnership of the Fayette County Public Schools here, that we have many wonderful opportunities to connect and to serve the students here. Lord, I just pray that you just guide Miss Asher and the teachers that are here and help them finish strong this school year. And that next year they will be a blessing to the hundreds of kids that go there. God, we just give you this church. Lord, we pray that we are a biblical church, that we're, we're rooted in biblical worship, and all throughout this church we're constantly teaching truth. Lord, ground us here in the Bible. Lord, help us respond to this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have our invitation here. Steve's going to lead us in our song. We're going to sing hymn number 437 in your songbook. This is your opportunity to respond. I'll be standing out in front waiting for you. Let's stand together. We're going to sing wherever he leads. I'll go 437. Take
Thank you so much. See, I'm going to ask everybody to be seated real quick. Uh, we've, uh, God's certainly been moving. I'm gonna, um, uh, we're going to announce our decisions here in a second. I have a couple of announcements to make. So you have four. Uh, the first one here um, is our college ministry. Not only do we partner with Mary Todd, we also help out Lafayette High School. And we're here at Lafayette High School, just down the road, we, um, they have a backpack program and Nancy is um, collecting, uh, Nancy Crawford's collecting 65 backpacks. So she is asking, we have a collection booth for them. I think this is for this summer. And uh, their collection items are uh, down by entrance B there at the fellowship hall. She says she still needs more supplies. I believe they're in the bulletin, but she does not need juice boxes. So um, she'd like those back. They're, she'd like that back all by next Sunday on Mother's Day because they're going to be packing them on the 15th. They're going to have a college ministry backpack part. This is a great local mission opportunity with Lafayette High School. It fits in with our partnership programs with our schools. So I wanted to certainly announce that. Other thing here is uh, Wednesday night dinners. Uh, Miss Darlene Van Hoos uh, has two more Wednesday nights. Our last Wednesday night dinner for this, until the summer is May 16th. So Aaron Welch uh, normally cooks uh, for us during the summer, but Aaron now has a job at the Willows, so he won't be able to. So we're looking for a Wednesday night um, summer cook. Darlene's hiring. So Darlene, will you raise your hand? So there's Darlene. If you uh, remember, you wonder about the menu, just go to Cracker Barrel, look at their menu, or um, I can't say still, but just take a picture of their menu. We like country cooking here. So that would be from, I believe, that would pick up on May 23rd through all the way through August. So I think there's uh, like a 13 Wednesday nights. So even if we had a team of folks cook. So we, do, we have great Wednesday night fellowship meals with that. Also, Mother's Day. Mother's Day is next uh, Sunday. We have a special, um, special service. We're going to be giving gifts to all our moms. We're going to be recognizing, I was doing something, our children's choir is going to be singing to our oldest mother on a rocking chair up on the stage. It's really, they're gathered around home flowers. It's really going to be unique and nice. So I wanted to share about that. We also have baby dedication. I know of at least two babies we're going to be dedicating. If you want to participate, uh, maybe you have a child or a grandchild that's never been dedicated to the Lord. We do this once a year. You need to let me know this week. Because we'll we have baby dedication, a great day to do it on Mother's Day. So that is next Sunday for baby dedication. So, and then um, I'm about to recognize our guests. Just remind you, uh, today is Mary Todd Sunday. Miss Asher and Miss Myers there, and the, some of the uh, teachers, they're going to be there in the lobby. So if you want to connect at the new school year beginning in August with Mary Todd, please see them or see Peggy, and they can certainly let you know uh, great ways to connect here at Broadways and how you can serve. Uh, lots of exciting opportunities. Andrew Kelly, y'all come stand up here real quick. This is Andrew and Kelly Lupp. Loop. <laughs> this is, the, they have two children, two girls. This is Penelope. Penelope's four, right? So is she going into kindergarten next year? She's going into preschool, so, so she'll be starting preschool with that. And this here is Esther. So now we have two Esthers in our church. So Esther's in my Sunday school class. I teach one and two-year-olds downstairs. So they're coming here. Um, uh, uh, they've moved here. Andrew's in the military. They moved here from Washington State. What is the name of the, uh, the community? Of the, uh, Crossroads Community. It's called, yeah, they come from a non-denominational church called Crossroads Community Church. And what was the, what's the town? Yelm. Yelm. Yelm, Washington. All right, who here? Anybody heard of Yelm, Washington? <laughs> Anybody been to Yelm, Washington? Anyone? 
Where, where, I've never in my life been to Washington State. Where, where is that in Washington? Is that near Seattle? It's in between Tacoma and Olympia. They moved here from a small town in Washington State. That is neat. So they win the prize for they've come here the farthest from Washington State. So that is. So we are excited. They're coming here, and they've both been saved and baptized by immersion in their non-denominational church. So they'll be joining Broadway by a statement of faith. So we are exciting for the, excited for the Luke family for uniting here at our church, and their two girls, and they're going to get involved. They actually, our new members class that Skip teaches, it wrapped up today, and they went through that class. So they've been part of our class. Now they're joining our church here. Great, great Sunday to unite here at Broadway. If you excited for Andrew and Kelly Loop and their two girls and being part of our church family, you join me in saying amen. 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 Oh, okay, well, <coughs> Kelly's expecting, they're expecting their third child as well. So when is the due date? Due date? June All right, June 9th. So Mother's Day 2019, Kelly and Andrew will have baby dedication. And so that is, so they're right around the corner. So uh, we'll have, as that's, our, our nursery would be even busier. So that's exciting. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. We always have a receiving line. So um, right when we're done here, Steve's going to close this in a song. Remember, right when you're done, you come through this re receiving line and um, you re uh, let the Luke family know you're excited they're part of Broadway. And then remember, Mary Todd's out there. Congratulate, thank them for being part of our church. The chorus of I Love to Tell the Story. Congratulations. Thank you. Let's sing together. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Amen. 